You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's C. Sparky, 5 or 12.50 a.m. The Fan, along with our guy Nathan Marzian. Time for another edition of Green and Growing. The Bucks get the win, 146-122 to 122 over the New York Knicks. Uh, and, you know, let me just say, we are streaming live on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. So if you want to check us out on the stream, if you want to chat with us uh, in the comments section on the YouTube page, feel free to leave comments there. I will try to read as many as I can as we are doing this uh, as well. Uh, also, Nathan Marzion, at Nathan Marzion on Twitter. I'm at Sparky Radio. Uh, has us live on Twitter spaces, I think, however that works. Yeah, yeah we're, live. we're live. I still don't know how that works, but either way. So he's got us live on this Twitter spaces thing, which is cool. So hello to everybody. Hopefully there's some Celtics fans listening because uh, you won't be playing uh, in the next round. Uh, and the Bucks will be uh, as they take on the Indiana Pacers. But first, let me start by saying, since we have... Uh, you know, video and so forth going on right now on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. This is what's going to get me through this 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 podcast of ours here. Let me see if I can show you here. Wait, wait, what does that say, Marzi? What does that say right there? Jelly, jelly belly, jelly belly, man, a big old red jelly bean or jelly beans. That sugar is going to help me out there. I got that, and then I, I went and got me some old school. What is that? RC, RC, baby. Oh, me and my RC. Yeah, man. Now we're talking. Yeah, all you youngsters don't know about RC. You can't you can't enjoy RC Marzion like I enjoy me and RC Cola. That's that's a, that's a beautiful thing. And so I've got a lot of sugar. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to deal with this. Bucks crush the Knicks in the quarterfinals uh, again. One forty six, one twenty two. I will just say, after the first quarter, I tweeted out, they're not winning this game if they don't show some type of resistance more than they showed in the first quarter. And I'm here to tell you, I was dead effing wrong. Like nothing really changed. Other than they just never cooled off the box uh, and continued to be unconscious uh, from long range. And it continued out throughout the whole game. The Bucks shoot 60% from the field. But wait, get this. They shoot 60% from three as well. 23 of 38. Now, again, when they shoot that well, nobody in this league is beating them. I don't care if you're the Suns, if you're the Celtics, the, the Lakers, the Nuggets, whoever. Nobody is beating this Bucks team. They're shooting 60% from three, Nathan. So I'm not really sure. How excited to get over this because it's probably more of a mirage than anything that they shot that well from three. But it's fun to watch when they're shooting the ball that well. Yeah, and you, I mean, I still think it's worth getting excited for. Obviously, they're not going to shoot nearly this well, you know, most games. This is probably going to be easily their best shooting night of the season. I mean, they're the this is one of the best shooting nights in NBA history. This is only the sixth time a team has shot over over sixty uh, percent from three in a game on that many attempts on thirty five or more attempts. So. Yeah, this is not going to to continue like that at that level, but they have been a really good three-point shooting team especially as of late. They are, you know, number 8 going into this game in three-point percentage, which is going to probably go way up and they'll probably be closer to like this game 
they have a ton of shooters on this team, which I was kind of thinking about it today. I'm like, as the game was going on, I was like, where does Beasley rank in like shooters that Giannis has played with? You know, and when you take into account volume and difficulty. Uh, settle down. It's a month. Like if he's shooting 45% from three in March, then we can have this conversation, but it's November. I mean, DiVincenzo was out there for the next, I'm sure he had hot months somewhere along the stretch of his career as well, where he was feeling it for a month. I don't want to get all excited about, trust me. I want Beasley to be this good all year. Like this would be amazing. Cause if he's this good in the playoffs, if he's shooting 45% from three, when they get to the postseason, they are going to be a very tough team to beat Marzian. But can he do it? Uh, I don't know. But I mean, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't want to ruin your fun. I've just had a lot of sugar. Go ahead. Sorry. I, no, I understand. But he was 39% on five attempts per game in 2019. Then he was 40% on almost nine attempts per game in 2020-21. He was 38% on eight attempts per game in 2021-22. Like, this isn't just some fluke month shooting for him like and and on that many attempts that is one of the best in the league at it um it, like at that volume that type of volume that he was at in minnesota was it, it was i mean literally he had i think it was three point attempts per 36 minutes it was steph then clay then him so he was taking as many threes as anyone and shooting nearly 40 percent on them and now he's you know his volume has naturally gone down a little bit because he's on a better team but he's still attempting you know, close to seven a game and he's shooting 46% on them. I think when you take into account the volume, when you take into account the difficulty, I was like, I think he's, I truthfully think he might be a top three shooter that Giannis has ever played with. Oh, and, yeah. well, okay. Then name me, name me three better. I, I don't when know, they, man. when they played with Giannis, when they, cause I know like Kyle Korver, you could say, but like, when, I don't know. I, that was his he last was year of his end. career. Yeah. yeah. But, and the other two, the top two, I think, are also on this team. I think it's Dame and Chris and and Malik Beasley are the three best shooters Giannis has probably ever played with. When you take into account difficulty of shots, volume of shots, you know, ability to shoot off the dribble. Because like Grayson, yeah, he's a good shooter, but he needed everything perfect. He needed to catch and shoot. He didn't shoot a ton per game. Um, it was a slower release. I just feel like when you're looking at like dynamic shooters and ability to just knock down shots, I think the three best shooters Giannis has ever played with are on this team. If, and if you if if you disagree, name me name me some no. other players that you think are better shooters. But see, this is why I love doing this post game podcast with you, or any great and growing podcast with you. By the way, download it on your Odyssey app. Maybe download your favorite podcast app. I will be back at this Thursday, by the way, uh, after uh, Bucks and Pacers. But 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 this is the thing I love about you. I watched that game. I got my 16 month old sleeping on me on the couch while I'm watching the game because the seven year old was out doing basketball evaluations uh, for a basketball team he's going to be on or whatever with his mom. So I'm watching never at any point during that entire game. did I think to myself, and Malik Beasley might be one of the best shooters he's ever played. It never, ever crossed my mind. I'll tell you what I, I agree with you on Middleton and Damian Lillard, though, being the two best shooters he's played with by far, not close. I agree with you hundred percent. Drew holiday is not in that conversation. Uh, but but one, one, one other thing here, I'll tell you what did cross my mind. And I went to Twitter and you did not disappoint because you're always right there. When every time I need somebody to slander Bobby Portis, you're there for me every time. So <laughs> I, I'm watching and I'm going, yeah, this probably isn't going to be good for Bobby Portis on, on Twitter or X. So I go on there and I look and there, uh, of course, everybody's killing Bobby Portis. Not everybody. Most people are killing Bobby Portis. Can I just say something real quick here? Like you all that want Bobby Portis traded. Okay, fine. I'm going to give you your wish. 
I saw one dude say he wants Marcus Smart. He wants to trade Bobby Portis, Marshawn Bochamp, and somebody else for Marcus Smart or whatever. What? How is Marcus Smart going to defend the rim? How is that going to happen? How, how is he going to defend the rim? I get you want a wing defender, and I'm all about getting a wing defender. But if they lose Bobby Portis, they have no other viable big. Because Robin Lopez is not a viable big at this point of his career. He's a moral support guy like Thanasis. So from that perspective, they have to replace Bobby Porras with somebody that can rebound the basketball, even if they can't block shots. And again, Porras will block a shot here or there. He had a block, you know, down the stretch there on Julius Randle, which was pretty nice. But but for the most part, he, he's not a, a rim protector. This team needs a real big besides Brooke Lopez and Giannis. To me, you know, when we start talking about, you know, what, what this team is all about, Bobby Portis, it's not Bobby Portis all you want, but they, if they lose him, they have to replace him with a big, this cannot be a Bobby Portis for a guard who defends really well. That that can't be the exchange. You cannot be that small and win. I, I just, I, I, I just, I don't agree. I, you know, I think you can make a trade Bobby for a guard and then sign someone. I just Ty Jones. Nuts. Ty Jones or someone that can just be a fill in, you know, seven minute per game person that just can get some to yourself. You said a seven minute fill in guy to replace Bobby freaking Portis. Yes, because in the the playoffs, in the playoffs, Bobby Portis is not a 20 plus minute per game rotation player. He's not. He's well, not. under Buddy wasn't. Under Buddy wasn't. We don't know about it now. We're seeing it. We're seeing now what happens to him. Most games he plays against good teams. Like I like I, obviously we know what he can do offensively at times and we know he can fill it up a little bit, hit some shots, good mid-range game and all that and he gets rebounds. But he That's gets eaten alive. He gets eaten alive defensively, can't survive on the court that on that end. He still I mean his his offense hasn't been fantastic this year. Like it still has taken a dip and if he's not giving you really good offense then like what's he giving you? I think a big reason why people are like cuz everyone's like, "Well, who do you like you said, who do you get to defend the rim?" Well, Bobby's not defending the rim either. So if you, you might as but well just scoring, get a guard that can defend. But he's scoring and rebounding, and he's six foot nine, six foot ten. A six foot three guard is not going to help me do anything, especially if he can't score. So now but I've we, got a guy we, out there that can score, but can try and defend. Well, hell, that's Andre Jackson. I, I put Andre need, Jackson out there. Let him defend. No, we need. I mean, I'm. The, we need some. Prim, we need perimeter defense as much as we need a backup big. I think both are important problems. I'm not saying that they're not, but if I like for me, I'm just like looking at this. I'm like, I don't know what Bobby gives you in the playoffs. I don't have any idea what Bobby gives you. I, I besides energy and some rebounding, I don't trust his offense to be great. He's not, he's shooting 29% from three this year and yep. it's inconsistent. It, he'll have games. Yes, but it's inconsistent. And then defensively, I don't trust him at all. He's incredibly slow. He's a terrible rim protector. And so at that point, I'm like, I don't care if you have no backup big, because your backup big right now is is not providing anything defensively. Like because he's not a well, center, he shouldn't be might, playing center. He shouldn't be relying on to be a big. He should be a power forward, which is what he is. Bobby Portis never at any point no, said, then, "Dude, I'm one of the best centers in the league, man. I can hang with anybody." He shouldn't be playing center. But if you take him off center, he's going to be on the perimeter more, and he's going to get eaten alive on the perimeter. He, he everybody's on the perimeter. Brook Lopez goes out on the perimeter now on this damn defense. I know, but I'm just saying it, it, he's going to be even more out on the perimeter. He can't. He just can't survive defensively. I don't think unless he somehow completely turns it around. And so, in my eyes, I'm like, I'd easily rather have a lockdown perimeter defending guard that I know what they're going to give me 
I know that they're going to give me something that the Bucks desperately need than Bobby Portis. And um, I think you can find some rebounding and size much more easily than you can find an actually good perimeter defender. And again, Bobby, I think has some trade value. I don't think he's, you know, cause people are like, well, you know, maybe trade, um, Marjan or Andre Jackson. I don't know how much those guys, how much trade value those guys have. I don't know if teams actually even have any idea that those guys have any potential at all. Like they might just see them as a throw in in a deal. Whereas Bobby, you can, you know, you can look at Bobby and say, okay, the guy averages 12 points, eight rebounds. Like he's not a bad player. Um, and convince a team that, you know, okay, take him and our early second round pick and give us, you know, a, a perimeter defending player. I think there's a decent chance of that happening. And I think if there is horse, they'll get it done. So that's just where I stand on it. And that's how I've stood the whole, the whole time is I'm just like, I don't see his value in the playoffs. So you might as well get someone here that can play in the playoffs. I don't care what position they are. I'd rather have someone that can play in the playoffs than someone that can't. Like I just, that's what I look at. eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I don't know what contracts are necessarily, but if if you look at Chicago, let's say, who was talking about possibly blowing it up, and if you can get a big from Chicago and Bobby Boris goes back and then to fill in that deal to make it more attractive, you throw in a Bochamp or you throw in an Andre Jackson, that's how it becomes attractive for a team that's about to rebuild or a team that's in a rebuild like the Detroit Pistons, whose apparently locker room is complete garbage, it sounds like. And Monty Williams is having all kinds of problems. They're probably going to do something significant, I would assume, between now and the trade deadline. That's another team that's looking to add young guys, too. And then maybe you give them a veteran uh, to build around. So they would be another team if there is somebody on that Pistons roster that you would like to come here and play. Here are some comments on the Odyssey uh, Sports YouTube page. Dewan says, uh, talking about Mike Portis, he gives you rebounding, scoring, and he's the enforcer on the team. Okay, so let's talk about the enforcer aspect of things. I that, think that, that, that stuff is look, he's he's the energy guy. He's not an enforcer no, all that's the time. Anassis, I mean, if because, you're being because enforcer, you gotta play some defense to be an enforcer. You can't just be a, a guy like I I feel like that stuff is just made up lingo that people definitely are definitely like, not. No, absolutely he's the not enforcer. I watch no, him get not. destroyed no, defensively. No, no. How is that an enforcer? No, That's not no, an enforcer. PJ Tucker was an enforcer no, because he made guys work on defense. You No, you don't understand what the term means. I'll help you. 
No, enforcer means Giannis gets into something, and instead of Giannis getting kicked out of the game, Bobby Portis steps okay. in. Okay, and he's the one that takes it. He's the one that takes it. Dame Lillard is lying on the ground for he got hit hard. He comes running in to take that fight versus Lillard popping it up and doing something. That's what we talk about being an enforcer. And Brooke Lopez can be that guy too. The problem is you have nobody to replace Brooke Lopez, and Brooke Lopez gets kicked out of a game. If Bobby becomes unhinged and loses his mind, yes, it hurts, but it's not end of the world in a game situation. That's what he means by enforcer. You'd rather have an enforcer like that than a guy that actually can play some defense. You either give up 120 points a game, but hey, we got a guy that'll get kicked out for Giannis. I don't like, know. Well, who else on this, this is team? What I hate. I, this is what I can't stand. Who about else on this team is Bobby playing Portis defense? Their defense isn't good by any it's, stretch. That's why you get a defender. Get another defender. But get a perimeter defender. Listen, a perimeter defender is not going to make up for the fact that Lillard sometimes runs back on defense and other times doesn't run back on defense. Lillard sometimes makes boneheaded, lazy passes and sometimes doesn't make boneheaded, lazy passes. Like there's a bunch going on with this roster that you can look at and go, that's an issue. That's an issue. That's an issue. That's an issue. One perimeter defender, in my opinion, at least in my opinion, and you obviously disagree. I don't think one perimeter defender is going to make this some top five defense. I just, I just don't. Top defense. It doesn't need to. It needs to make it an okay defense in a team that won't give up 120 something points every single game because their offense is going to be great. Their offense is amazing. Their offense might be the best in the league. They don't need to have an elite defense, but right now they're bad. Right now their defense is almost bad enough that it's losing them games when their offense is good. That's not good enough. But is it the system or is it the players? Because this it's is a roughly both. the same roster as Bud. It's a little of both. It's a little of both. I don't think Dame has been really bad defensively. I think Dame's been okay defensively. Like, he's been average. And I think that they need – if you can get another defender in here to just help this thing out a little bit, give you a perimeter guy that can provide some resistance, move their feet, not allow guys to just drive right past them because we see Chris has allowed it to happen. You know, Dame has yep. allowed it to happen. Malik Beasley has allowed it to happen. P- campaign, Pat Connaughton. All those guys have allowed that to happen all year. It's just they don't provide much resistance. Now, they obviously have Giannis and Brooke as their good defenders, but the perimeter is just collapsing. And if you can get a guy that you can plug into that closing lineup that can do that, that's a huge thing. Like, And I'm not saying that that's going to make them a top five defense. It doesn't, But again, it doesn't need to. If that can take them from the 22nd, 23rd defense to the 16th defense, that can make them that much more of a title contender. And again, I don't know what you're losing by trading Bobby Portis other than this, oh, energy stuff. Like, and I get that it's, I get he has energy. I and get that. And points and rebounding. Not in the playoffs though. In the, okay. He gives you some rebounding. Rebounding, right. sure. Like, Here's I'll give you rebounding. One. Here's rebounding Mark and says, energy. But- Mark says, what about the big white guy, Leonard, from last year? Well, Myers, uh, Myers Leonard back? Is, is, does that help? No, no. You sure? Big yes. seven. He was okay in spurts have, last year. Yeah, I'd rather have not, him than Robin you're Lopez. Playing, you're not, yeah, but you're not playing either of those guys in the playoffs. You're not playing any of them. I, I just, I mean, you're not playing anybody you mentioned in the playoffs either. That's going to replace Bobby Portis. What do you mean? You you brought up somebody oh, earlier. You mean a big, yes. like Kai Jones? Yeah. yeah who are you going to replace? I don't him with? think. Truthfully, truthfully, I think, I, I don't think. You absolutely have to have a 15 minute per game big to replace Bobby Portis. I don't. So you're just going to play small and hope that you, you know, are within 15 rebounds at the end of the night or 10 rebounds at the end of the night. They haven't been that bad of a rebounding team. 
they're gonna be if if he goes if he goes bye bye. You, I mean, again, you know what that's gonna mean? I'll tell you what that's gonna mean. Old man Crowder, if he can actually stay healthy and stay on the floor, they're gonna look at him and go, "You got to give me eight a night." Like that's gonna have to be a thing. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to rebound more than anything else when you're out there. Because Crowder's not blocking shots either, but he at least he's got a bigger size body that can maybe go up there and, and compete for some rebounds. That's going to be the guy that's going to get looked at to have to go rebound the basketball, or it's going to have to be the defense changes a little bit, and we're going to have to group rebound and not worry about getting out as quickly and releasing because everybody's going to have to crash the board so we don't get killed on the boards on a night in night out basis going forward. But anyways, that was fun. I'm glad I was able to bring that well, up and again, harass quick, you a little bit. Again, I just want to say I think, as I said, I don't think the guy needs to come in and be 15 minutes per game in the playoffs. I think you can get someone that can be a six to seven minute per game in the playoffs just for the sake of, okay, we need a little bit of size, go out there. We were trying to give Giannis and Brooke a rest or whatever, or one of those guys a rest and just be someone that can get some rebounds. I think, but again, I think that is much, much, much easier to find a big that can play for seven minutes, eight minutes a game, get some rebounds and has some size then, and not be terrible. than a, a legitimate perimeter defender that helps this defense. Like, if you can trade Bobby Portis for that, I'm a hundred times out of a hundred doing it. And then I can replace Bobby Portis with some, someone I find that can just give me a little bit of time for rebounding. I, the, the, the perimeter defense thing is to me, the biggest issue still. And that is going to be the thing that they need to probably address. And it's like, I, I the, the, the best way to address it really, the only way is by trading Bobby Portis. I don't know who else you're trading that you're going to get someone good enough that makes like, cause again, if you got someone, you know, when I say someone could make them, someone that could make them go from 22nd, 23rd to 16th, that's someone like a, a Caruso or a Dorian Finney Smith. That's like legitimately good. I'm not talking about just some, you know, not good player that, oh, maybe, you know, they can give you some defense. No, I'm talking about a legitimately good defensive player. If you can get, if you're trying to get that, you basically have to give up Bobby Portis because you're not getting it with Marjan. You're not getting it with Pat Connaughton. Um, it's just not happening. So that, I mean, as I've said for a long time, that's just where I stand on it. And I've just kind of gotten more and more convinced of it as I watch these games is like, yeah, Bobby has his moments. Bobby is going to have, he's still going to have plenty of games where he has 20 something points and 12 rebounds and he looks great on offense. And it's like, all right, it didn't matter that his defense was bad tonight because he made up for it on offense and those games. Cool. He's great for and I'll have a bunch of people t- saying, I can't believe you wanted to trade Bobby. But once those playoffs come around, it's going to be the same thing it's been for three years where he's not that playable. He's very bad defensively. And you kind of are sitting there going, man, we could have used what we could have, like we could have used his value for something much more important, perimeter defense, whatever, that we were kind of just, we let, we, we kept Bobby Portis to to grab a, grab some rebounds, have some energy and not play that much in the playoffs. And that's what, you know, instead of getting a perimeter defender, I don't want to be in that position. AJ Green really could be an X factor wild card for this team. When they get in situations where they can't hit a shot or whatever the case may be, to be able to plug him in and let him go, if he's on fire on a given night, he could really be a momentum changer for this Bucks team uh, in, in different situations. I mean, you saw tonight, he comes in, you know, he hits three threes right off the bat. And then I I, I, I love Greenberg talking to him about, oh, you've got more points tonight than you have in your last three games combined. You know, what's changed? What's different? Or whatever the case may be. And Green gave him, it was very nice in his answer. Uh, but from that perspective, 
I think he he isn't going to necessarily be a great defender or anything like that. I get all of that. But you talk about top three shooters and all this other stuff. I mean, that's another guy that in, in certain situations for five minutes here or five minutes there uh, in big game situations can really give you some instant offense off of the bench. And to be honest with you, outside of Portis, you don't really have that other person on the bench right now that can come in. And, and again, I'm talking, and I'm not saying he's this guy, so let's not overreact. But, you know, uh, off the bench, all of a sudden, you know, in, in comes uh, Jamal Crawford or in comes, um, what's his name? Uh, Lou, what's Williams. his name? Yeah, Lou Williams. Williams. Guys that were those instant offense guys, you know, off the bench for the Spurs. You know, those type of guys really don't exist on this Bucks roster right now. And in this dude's situation here, he doesn't have to create. He doesn't have to be anybody off the dribble. He just has to sit and wait for Giannis or Middleton or Lillard to get him the ball and hit an open jump shot. And he seemingly does it at a fairly good pace. And we talk about Marjan Bochamp, who's been hitting threes pretty good this year. Um, but I, I think he might he be, might be an X factor here, you know, for this team come the postseason, providing he can stay healthy. Yeah, I think I think him and Andre Jackson are both plug in guy. Yeah, I, I kind of mentioned this a couple times where I think they're both just spot guys. Plug them in in times where you kind of need what they give you. If you're right, if you need some shooting, plug in AJ Green for a little bit. See if he can get hot. See if he can hit a couple yep. threes. And you know, we kind of know that. Couple, you know, a couple threes go in from him, then maybe it helps the other team get going. It you know gets the rhythm going. And then with Andre Jackson, it's the opposite. It's defensively. If you're struggling to get stops, if you are just providing no resistance on the perimeter, throw AJ or um, throw Andre Jackson in there for a little bit and see if he can you know provide some energy, provide some perimeter defense, just be a, a um, you know ball stopper out there and just kind of wreak some havoc for five minutes and see if it throws off the, the other team. Be be aggressive and just. Um, maybe generate some steals. I don't know. Just throw him out there. I think they're both kind of that way. And I'm sure with both of them, there'll be times people are clamoring for them to get more minutes and, you know, they should be playing regularly. I don't think either of them is ready to play super regularly, but I think they both just can play like, like at any time I'm, I'm, I'm fine throwing them out there. There's, I, I just, I, they are good at what they do for the most part. I don't, you know, in their limited time, I don't know if they can do it full time, but um, it's like just for both of those guys, throw them out there when you need them. Don't be afraid to to use AJ Green a little bit or use um, Andre Jackson. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let me bit. ask you this. Mark on, on uh, the uh, Odyssey Sports YouTube page where we're live streaming says, AJ better than Marjan. What do you say? Um, I, I don't want to sound like a Marjan hater. I, Marjan's fine. I... I don't know what to think of him lately. Like he's got some good moments. He's got some bad moments. He's just been kind of inconsistent. And that's how he's been his first couple of years. It's just like, okay, there's flashes and it looks like, okay, you might be putting it together. And then he has a little bit of a bad stretch and then he looks not very aggressive and, you know, he fouls too much. Sometimes I don't really know what to think of him. I think AJ, AJ is much, AJ is a higher floor, lower ceiling guy. You know, AJ's 
okay, he'll, he'll give you one thing and he'll probably do it pretty well. Whereas Marjan's like, he can give you multiple things. He can give you some shooting. He can give you some defense. He can, you know, give you some off the dribble. He can do do whatever, but I, he, there's none of them that you're always 100%. Like I trust that it's, well, this is, I don't, they're, just, they're very different. It's hard to, it's hard yes. to pick for me. I would take Marjan only because he's longer, which gives you a better chance of being a better defender. Uh, he's yeah. more athletic probably in the open court. Uh, and that helps after, you in that after, situation. He can beat you off the dribble. I think in some situations, maybe more than green can as well. So I think I would lean Marjan over AJ green just because AJ green is more of a one trick pony, uh, where Bochamp gives you the opportunity to be able to bring more than one thing to the table. Now I agree with you. He's inconsistent, but that would be my take on it. Yeah. At their best, Marjan's way better. Like Marjan again, can just do more. He can play both sides and all that. But again, just the inconsistency, like there's definitely times where I could see myself going, I'd rather have AJ Green in this game than Marjan Bochamp, but there's probably more times where I'd say the opposite, I think. So I guess I'll stick with Marjan. Um, and I do just think Marjan's the better player all around. It's, it's you know, I'm not saying that AJ Green's a better all around player, but when we right. talk about who you trust to play and who you, you know, just believe in, it, it's like AJ Green having one thing that he can do consistently. Like that's important when, you, when you're a role player to have one thing that you are consistently good at is is big and when you don't have that that's when it kind of hurts you is like like that's when role players start to lose their their job it's like when pat Connaughton loses his shot a little bit and it's all of a sudden like okay what's he really giving you consistently if he's not hitting his shots and it's like if marjan's not playing great defense or not hitting a shot all of a sudden it's like yeah what's he you know he doesn't have anything i i really can rely on all the time every time he's in there so it's i don't know we'll just have to see if he can you know, nail down any of those things. All right, let's uh, look ahead here. Uh, Bucks Pacers semifinal Thursday. First, let me say what a dumb start time this is. Four o'clock in the afternoon. People are going to be working. Like, who the hell is going to have time to sit here uh, and and watch this whole game? I guess, I mean, Marzian, you know, he, his job, he'll let, they'll probably let him off early so he can go watch it, which I, I appreciate you very much for doing that. I work in radio. It's my job to watch sports, so I'll be able to watch it. But for most people that have a nine-to-five job, they're not going to be able to sneak away and watch the first half of this game, and then they're going to have to drive home. They're going to maybe see this, maybe the fourth quarter, midway through the third to the end of the game. Like, I, I don't – I really do not see the purpose in doing this at all. And it's all because they want to get the Western Conference game tipped off at 7 o'clock Vegas time. That doesn't make any damn sense to me. Like you easily could have started this an hour later, five o'clock central, uh, and then started that next one at eight o'clock Vegas time. Then I think it would still have been, it's Vegas, man. People don't sleep in Vegas, or at least that's what they tell me. Like, why the heck does that game have to start at seven o'clock the second game? So I'll start previewing this game by complaining about the damn tip time on Thursday against the Pacers. Sparky, I got to run and get my laptop charger super quick. So rant for two minutes and I'll be right back. Oh, that won't be hard at all. All right. So listen, Bucks and Pacers uh, coming up on Thursday. And this Pacers team is playing obviously really, really well at this point. And they're shooting the ball really well. And similar kind of to, you know, what I said on Twitter at the beginning of this game, which was, hey, look, if this defense doesn't get any better, uh, they're not going to win this game. And I was wrong because the defense really didn't get all that better. Uh, but what didn't change was the Bucks' ability to shoot the outside shot, shoot 60% from the floor, shoot over 60% from three-point range. That's not sustainable, you know, game to game in an NBA season. Uh, it's just not sustainable. So that's probably not going to happen again. That's kind of what I have felt about the Pacers pretty much all year. Like, there is no way offensively they can maintain the pace that they're on right now. Like, 
they're they're on track, I believe, to absolutely shatter uh, the offensive scoring mark on average per game uh, if they keep this up for the entire season. It, I maybe it's sustainable. Maybe they will, you know, shatter the offensive mark offensively for an NBA team at the end of the regular season. But I guess I'm still struggling buying the Pacers, and I know. Got local guy, Halliburton, triple-double, everybody loving Halliburton. Look, man, I love Halliburton, too. He's a damn good player, no question. He's having a coming-out party in the first in-season tournament, and that's great. They get to the playoffs, and they get swept, and he lays an egg. Nobody's going to care about this in-season tournament come April and May. It's just not going to be a thing. Right now, in the moment, it's cool. Could they beat the Bucs if they continue to shoot lights out like they've been shooting? Yes, and that's why I think it's a very real possibility the Bucs lose this game against the Pacers on Thursday because the Bucs have shown no ability to stop anybody. And if this Pacer team starts feeling it and going, Bucs are in trouble. I mean, they're going to have to shoot damn near as well as they shot in this game in order to keep up with the Pacers for four quarters out in Vegas. The only thing that makes me feel a little bit better about this is this Pacers team hasn't been in a meaningful game in 100 years. So from that perspective, Maybe there's some pressure. Maybe there's some of that that plays into it. This Bucks team is a veteran, savvy, laden team. They know what they're doing. They've been in big games before. So they're just going to go in and do them. I think maybe the Pacers, you know, might enjoy Vegas a little much, right? Hey, man, let's party. We made it. We're in the semifinals. Might lose a little bit of focus, even with Rick Carlisle as their coach. By the way, you don't think Carlisle's a great coach. You're an idiot. Um, but I, I, I really think, that that's probably the best Bucks advantage that they have right now is okay. Maybe they lose focus a little bit, um, and that that's how the Bucks win this thing. Because I'll tell you right now, the Pacers played like they played the last game. This defense is not stopping that. There's just there's just no chance. Absolutely no chance that's happening, Nathan. Well, I think this Pacers team is going. You know, obviously they're going to score a ton of points on us, and that's that's pretty much a given. But Yep. I don't think we need to I don't think we need to shoot super well from three to stay in this game because the Bucs didn't have Dame and only made nine threes last time they played them and ended up in a 126-124 loss because they don't have anyone to guard Giannis. Um, so I don't think the Bucs need to shoot lights out. I think you lean on Giannis mainly, and obviously you're gonna need to hit some shots, but it's going to be hope you know ride Giannis to another forty point night, and give him he's going to have definitely more help than he had in that Pacers game when he has you know Lillard on the floor with him. So I think the Bucks can keep up with them. I I don't know if they'll be able to get you know eventually enough stops to win. I think the Pacers are just a bad matchup for this team, and you know it's a young team that plays a super fast pace, gets out in transition, amazing offense. Like I going into that game. Without when we didn't have Dame, I was like, I don't expect us to win this game. Like, I, I, I just think this is a really bad matchup. They started out super poorly. They were down like twenty in the first quarter. Yep. I thought the game was over. We luckily came back. Giannis went crazy, but I could see them definitely losing this game and just kind of. I could even, I, I, I truthfully could see them losing it in a blowout. Possibly, I'm not going to predict that, but I could see it happening. Just again, I, I think it's a pretty bad matchup. I think the Pacers are going to get up for this game even more than the Bucks will. Um, but. Both of these teams are going to be able to score at will. And as you said, the Pacers haven't been in any super meaningful games, you know, where where there's been actual stakes and stuff. So we'll see, you know, a game in Vegas, a little bit brighter lights. Like we'll see if that affects them. But Halliburton's going to have a night, I'm sure. Bucks fans will act like this only happens against the Bucks, even though 
It just happened to Drew Holiday the other night. Like, I don't know. It, it's you see this happen with other teams that you're like, okay, the Pacers are just a, a ridiculously good offense when they're doing this to every other team. So I'm not I'm not gonna be worried if we give up 120, 130 points because that's what the Pacers do. But think about it's this. Just a, it's just a matter of can we keep up with it. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If you're Rick Carlisle. And Rick Carlisle's watching Green and Growing right now on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page, or maybe Rick is downloading it on the Odyssey Sports app or listening on his, his favorite podcast place that he listens to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, whatever. And he listens to Nathan, and Nathan says, and he laughed, mocking the Pacers. Marzian did. So, yeah, they got nobody to guard Giannis. I mean, who cares? I mean, three's they shoot, they can't guard Giannis. And Rick Carlisle's listening to that and goes, you know, young Nathan, you're right. But what you don't realize is I'm going to play this like I was co- coaching the Pistons in the playoffs. They never won a championship. Or when I was coaching Dallas, right? That's how I'm going to play this. We're going to play this like a damn playoff game. And you know what I'm going to do, young Marzion? Every time Giannis on defense, whoever he's guarding, they're going to get the ball. And they're going to pump fake. And they're going to lure him into getting fouls. And my goal is to get three fouls on him by early second quarter, if at all possible, and get him out of the game as soon as possible. And once he's out, then we play. And I'm telling you, that is how, if I'm the Pacers, how I look at this. Whoever Giannis is guarding, I'm throwing the ball to and go, go one-on-one. Pump fake, see if you can get him up in the air, jump into him, do what you got to do. That, that's how I'm playing it because if I'm Carlisle, I agree with you. I got nobody. Miles Turner, no. I mean, they, they just don't have anybody. So the only way to win that game if you don't want to be in this high-scoring shootout and you want to control the game and win easily or win easier, is you get Giannis in foul trouble. And then let's see if Lillard and Middleton and those guys can score enough to keep up with what you do offensively. As yeah, I but, said while, while you were away uh, getting your charger, I don't think this is sustainable offense for the Pacers. They are There is no way they are going to continue this offense all year long. They may continue it through Vegas, but if they're still scoring at this rate and shooting the ball this well by the time we get to March or April – they're going to be a team to deal with in in the Eastern Conference that nobody saw coming if they can play like this all year. With the whole with the Giannis foul thing, I I mean yes, but then if they're just going at Giannis every possession, they're kind of going away from what makes them great. As, I don't know as an offense and just targeting. You know, it, it takes you away from your game to just fo- and then you're just trying to get Giannis in foul trouble. I think that could end up helping the Bucks because Giannis is a good defender. So okay, you know, go one on one against him and Giannis will probably win. And then you're not, you know, you're just kind of getting away from your game. So I'm okay with that. But I, I mean, I, again, I, I mean, that's going to be one of their main goals, I'm sure, is to try to get some fouls on him and just um, get him out of the game. But 
I also just don't think they can like double a, a ton because now we, you know, again, in that first game, they didn't do it and we didn't even have Dame. So it's like they, they still weren't doubling when we didn't have Dame. And now it's like, okay, if you're going to double off him now, we've got one of the best scores in the NBA a, alongside of him. So good luck with that. And, you know, the Pacers have been an atrocious defensive team. As good as they've been offensively, they've been almost equally as bad defensively. So that's what's keeping them from being like an elite team is every single game is just like 135, 130. And it's them, you know, going crazy offensively, but not being able to get any stops. And again, the Bucs have been pretty similar. You know, the Bucs have been not as bad as them defensively, but they've been an amazing offensive team and a bad defensive team. So there should be a shootout again, um, you know, and I – I don't, what did you think of, I want to ask, what did you think of the Bucks defense tonight? Because I, I know they gave 122 to the Knicks who aren't on a great offense, but I think it was more so, at least more so compared to other games, the free throw stuff. And I don't know, I thought a lot of the, I thought the refs were bad tonight. And yes, I don't, I don't usually blame the refs. I thought the refs and we won the game by 24 yeah. points, but I thought the refs were bad for the Bucks, Like, I don't just think it was a bad all around refing game. I think they were very much favoring the Knicks. Um, Knicks shot 29 of 33 from the line. Like the Bucks on average give up like 16 and a half free throws made per game. They give up 29. That's 13 points more than they usually give up from the line that, um, on, than their average this season. So it's like if they had, if they had shot as many free throws as the Bucks usually give up, and which again, I think there were a lot of bad calls in this game. I thought the Knicks got way more free throws than they should have. You know, it's closer to a 110 allowed, and you're not thinking that this was a horrible defensive game. Knicks shot 30% from three, 49% from the field. So it wasn't a great defensive game, but I just I don't know. I wasn't as as upset about it as I was other games. And plus you're up big, you're scoring a ton. I don't I think they let up a little bit. I, uh, I I didn't see much resistance throughout this game. These guys got to wherever they wanted to go. I, I think if I was a Knicks fan, I'd be pissed that they went away from Brunson. Like I, I didn't, I didn't understand that at all. It became the Julius Randall show, and I get Randall's a good player, but they don't have a that's gonna that's quick enough to stay in front of Brunson. I mean, Lillard it tries sometimes. Uh, but Brunson should have been the guy taking most of those shots, in my opinion. Especially when that game was getting away, they should have just said, "Here you go." Uh, and let Jalen Brunson try and keep him in that game because Randall was not going to do it by himself. He's just not that explosive type score that's that's going to be able to do it. And I think Brunson gives you that ability to be that guy. And then let Randall play off of him as they start to collapse. Let Randall get those open shots. I think that was kind of a coaching blunder or strategy blunder, I guess, a little bit on, on Thibodeau's part uh, to a certain degree. But I don't think the Bucks' defense was all that special tonight, personally. Uh, I didn't think there was anything great at all. I mean, when they got wanted to get to the rim, they got to the rim. Uh, it wasn't like Brooke Lopez was swatting shots left and right around the rim either. They pretty much got where they wanted to go. I felt like an all-star game for three quarters of that game. Um, so no, I wasn't all that impressed. And if they play like this against the Pacers, like I said, they're not winning this. They're not winning that game. They're just not. And I, I, I don't know because if they, if they, if their offense looks this good, the Pacers defense. Yes, like, I, I think you, you just, said earlier, there's no way they're going to play. Th- I mean, it's not sustainable to shoot sixty percent from the field and from three in the same. No, no, game. no, no. It, no. But I think the three point percentage will come down, but Giannis's overall production will go up because they're going to feed him more. And the Pacers are a much, much worse defensive team than the Knicks. So. I think it all kind of evens out. I think there's a chance the Bucks could put up 140 something and and win the game, even if they gave up 138, 140 points. They can put up 145. Like it sounds crazy, but I think oh they can. Oh. As crazy as it sounds, like oh you think, God. okay, you go up 135, 140, you're not winning. But 
they could win against the Pacers with how good the offense has looked. I think they could. I I truthfully think they can hold up. And I want to say, too, the rebounding was better tonight than it was that first game against the Knicks. That first game against the Knicks, it was like the, their worst rebounding game of the year. Um, tonight, they out-rebounded them 37-36. And you can say, well, that's because the Bucks made a ton of shots. They didn't allow yeah. them to get off those rebounds. But we did shoot 51% from three in the first game, and we got out-rebounded 37-56. to 56. What did you shoot from the field no. in the first game? Sorry, 41 to 56. Uh, uh, 43, 40, 43%. 43%. Right. 60% and 60%. That's a big, big difference, Marzian. Even you know that. That's why you're smiling. All right. No, I know. I'm, I'm just saying uh, the rebounding wasn't as bad. Yeah. All right. There he is, Nathan Marzian. Follow him on Twitter, Nathan Marzian. I'm Sparky. Uh, follow me at Sparky Radio, 1250amthefan.com. Got a great interview up with Ryan Wood from the Green Bay Press Gazette that I did earlier today. Talking about the Packers and Chiefs and possible contract numbers for Jordan Love. We get into that. And then coming up tomorrow afternoon, probably around, I don't know, 1, 2 o'clock, I'll be posting another interview that I did today with Tim Muma of BrewerFanatic.com. He's got a great story up on the Brewers offseason and what the Jackson Trio signing means, Wade Miley, uh, and kind of what this means for the Brewers offseason going forward. That'll be posted uh, tomorrow afternoon. So, uh, again, if you don't ever go to 1250amthefan.com, shame on you. I do interviews throughout the week, each week. Uh, always got some good stuff up there. And, of course, this fine uh, – deal here green and growing on your odyssey app wherever you download your favorite podcast curd and long my packer podcast i do with ryan horvat uh that is also up uh that's up three times a week uh monday wednesdays and fridays at 5 p.m marzian toy drive uh last week blaine's farm and fleet it was fun it was good i was out there with a bunch of volunteers from children's hospital ali faith came out uh, as well from kiss fm i don't know if you saw the pictures that gigantic semi of blaine's farm and fleet that they had out there we filled that damn thing with 22 boxes of toys, uh, did over a hundred and what was it? Right around $115,000, uh, in cash and toys for our toy drive this year. So thanks to everybody that donated a line, everybody that came on out, dropped off, uh, uh, toys or made cash donations much, much appreciated. Uh, that was by far the biggest one that we've had since prior to COVID. And, uh, thanks to Blaine's farm and fleet bear sunrooms uh, for letting us use their sunroom, uh, as well. And being a part of that, uh, and Steelwind Industries, Marzion in Oak Creek, showed up, bought 16 shopping carts of toys, 16 shopping carts of toys with all their managers and donated all of those toys. Uh, and I call them the guardian angels of our toy drive. So very cool of them to do that. And Blaine's Farm and Fleet donated a bunch of toys uh, as well at the end. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thursday. What time would you think we're going to be on? Like 630 Central or something like that? Probably the game starts at yeah. four in the afternoon. I'll be watching the game. I'll be. I'll be. I'll be. I'm going to make sure I'm I'm watching the entire game. I'll be at, at home in front of the TV by yeah. four o'clock. I can, so I will can I. I'll, yeah. I'll figure out a way. I'll be here too. Yeah. I'll, I'll by be here. You know. Yeah. By the way, I do owe you a thank you for going this whole 43 and a half minutes. No, I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to bring it up. Right, Don't bring it up. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I, I need, that, yeah, that's fine. No. I, I just wanted to. I'm not, not going to bring it up. Badgers did good. slam Michigan State, however, tonight. All right, enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good one. Toodles. Toodles.